in something like Wicked, I think character drives plot. Like, these are about people making choices. You get to a point, especially like by the midpoint, Wicked is primarily driven by these characters wanting things, and then what will they do to get them? This character wants to do this, therefore they'll do this, and this character will do that. And therefore, it's, you know, it becomes all about how these characters express their character through their choices. And that is why the plot is compelling, I hope. You are now listening to Beyond the Fourth Wall of Writing with your host, John Robinson IV. Here we smash walls, demolish writer's blocks, and learn how to harness the true power of storytelling. Let's get it cracking. Karen Gillan is an award-winning British comic book writer who is known for incredible writing and creator-owned series such as The Wicked and the Divine, Die, Once and Future, and Marvel comics like Young Avengers, X-Men, Iron Man, The Eternals, and more. He has also harnessed the power of the dark side, writing Darth Vader in 2015, and created arguably one of the most favorite new characters in the faraway galaxy, Dr. Aphra. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Beyond the Fourth Wall of Writing Podcast. I am your host, John Robinson IV. We are back after kind of a kind of a little hiatus. Now, I mean, you, you guys will have gotten a few episodes before this, uh, but those episodes were recorded a little bit uh, in the past. <laughs> so this is our first recent episode uh, as, as far as not being a couple of months old. <laughs> so even, guys, even though you guys are getting episodes, uh, you know, still in a timely fashion, this is the first episode that's actually relatively current um and it's at the top of 2021 which sounds so weird to say uh, <laughs> uh our guest for this episode is karen gillen uh what's going on oh i'm uh, sitting on my chair cross-legged uh which is my main response to this last year is i um if i'm working i sit properly but if i'm sitting in this chair when i'm not quote unquote working i kind <laughs> of like have to take a different pose otherwise it's just bad for me somehow, but it's lovely right. to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad you agreed to come on. Um, like it's like I, it's been it's been a crazy year. Last year, first of all, um, I know everyone's running all over the place. Scheduling is is well. In some cases, scheduling is easier, but then in some other ways, scheduling is is difficult. Uh, my life is a hurricane right now, so I'm glad that, you, that uh, I mean, very very prompt response when I reached out. Uh, uh, and we were able to kind of schedule it because, like I said, like I. Like after today, literally, I have no my my life is I have no idea <laughs> what's gonna happen like like tomorrow, <laughs> uh, and that's because well I, I guess I could I could let listeners know that's because uh, there is a new baby that is that is entered the world <laughs> back in November and um, she came early that was uh, she's not she wasn't supposed to be here yet but she came early she's doing well everything's great but uh, she's coming home from the uh, from the NICU uh this week so it's uh yeah my life like after today literally is uh it's like it's gonna be baby <laughs> so <laughs> so i'm glad i'm glad we we're able to to kind of get this knocked out now um that way that during that little pause time in between i'll be able to get a semblance of a schedule <laughs> uh not that the baby babies allow that but you know um no, in any say, case, congr- congratulations i was just saying yeah my, my brother's just had his second and his uh it's an intense period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, so yeah, we're we're gonna get we're gonna get right into it. Um, is as usual. Um, I uh, just read. If you guys follow my Twitter, everybody knows who, uh, who follows my Twitter account that I post every comic 
that I read. Like literally I post every cover as I read it. Um, sometimes it's a little late. That's a hint for people who see like long strings of the issues coming out. Like sometimes I read them at a different time the other day, but I still I still make time to post them later. <laughs> uh, it's just it's just one of the things I've been doing for like since like 2010 ish. Um, so uh, a lot of you guys know that I just read The Wicked and the Divine um, and and die right prior to that. But a lot of people. Uh, as soon as I posted the first cover, Wicked Divine, a lot of people were like, oh my God, you're reading this series. This is going to be great. Just wait. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's been pretty, it's been pretty, uh, it was, it was a roller coaster. It was a lot of fun. Um, I'm, I'm super glad to have read the series. Um, so obviously I had to reach out to Karen and, uh, and, uh, and, and talk about it. And, and like, like we always do, we, we do do the technical aspects of writing on this podcast. So, um, I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going like, to give the disclaimer. Yes, there may be spoilers to Wicked Divine uh, <laughs> on the episode. I'll try to keep them not too spoilery. You know what I mean? Like just very light, but uh, just be aware in case you don't want any spoilers that there may be some spoilers in the book and, may, and maybe some of uh, Karen's various uh, other works. But I think we're going to focus primarily on that because we're going to be talking about story structure. Um, so, okay. Enough talking for me. Uh, one of my, uh, one of my easy questions that I kind of like ease into our, our, our talks with is usually, uh, what do you do when you sit down when it's time to write? Like, what's the, what's the head, how do you get into the headspace? Well, the first thing I've got to do is do a lot of procrastination. You know, you've got to get a lot of procrastination off the deck. Um, <laughs> if I'm really, I mean, to be honest, like, my, I, I am bad. Like, I'm a very quick writer, but I'm also like, somebody who gets distracted very very easily and there's normally a point where i have to actually pull the pull the wire out the back of the computer like i, I try <laughs> i try I, I do a lot of my writing on machines which don't have internet access mm. or, and you know and finding ways to block it off in reality wigan divine was kind of like this end of this journey for me like we come into comics in 2006 with a book called phonogram and wigan divine mm. was kind of, and i got in at marvel afterwards i did a lot of books and wigdiv was kind of about I'll tend to call it Wickdiv because it's just quicker. Uh, <laughs> was about me turning 38 and kind of thinking about being 40 and kind of what saying goodbye to youth metaphor. You know, like, okay, that's all done with. What what did I learn and what possibly can I try to tell people about it? Um, and so Wickdiv had the most complicated example of something I used to do quite regularly. Like I still do it occasionally, but I made a playlist. Uh, there's a Wickdiv playlist uh, on Spotify and it's like just shy of 500 songs, I think. Or at least oh, about nice. four hundred. It's about four hundred, and it's kind of like it's a mixture of things. Some of it's like, some of them relates to characters, some related to themes, some of them related to my personal life or me growing up. Some of them are just jokes. Some are just something that gets the feeling. Some of them I really hate. So I'm not quite sure why I put them on. And quite regularly, <laughs> when I'm writing Wicked, I'm normally listening to that, and I put it on shuffle. Um, and it's kind of like it becomes like the background noise of it. And of course, it's also in some ways a tool that allowed me to think about the work in a different way. Because I used to listen to it when walking around as well. Right. And since the songs are so strongly identified with beats or characters or st- plot lines, which is like five years down the line, and hearing these ideas rearranged with each other was a bit like a tarot deck. You know what I mean? So it's basically, <laughs> yeah. I don't really mean that in the mystical way, but I mean that in that kind of like, you're thinking about, here are ways to think about this material in a different way. And then reshuffling mm-hmm. it. And then reshuffling it. So... With Wicked was a, a way, that whole device a way to sort of keep it alive in my head for like all the five years. I must and I played the playlist now and it's um it, you know it, it is hits absolutely oh that's a Wicked song I know I'll never be able to escape that's a Wicked song mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. uh, but that's the that's the main device I use um, 
They always well, especially because I quite regularly just put the first track on, uh, which is uh, Pink Summer by a band called Summer Camp. Mm. Um, uh, and then I leave it on shuffle. So it, then it goes, it starts somewhere I know, which is kind of setting in the mood, and then mm-hmm. goes somewhere random, I guess. Uh, right. and I, I almost always write to music. Um, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, mu- music is a, I mean, like, it's such music is so emotional that you know it, it could put you in the in, in the right state of mind or it, it, you know evoke like you said like the tarot card shuffling you know it, it evoke different emotions or different feelings when you may not have been thinking of that at the moment I, I like the idea of putting it on shuffle too you know what yeah. i mean because that it, it kind of makes it more more of a uh not a, not a random process but it you know like depending on what you're writing at the moment it may evoke different different feelings about what you're working on um that i've yeah. got to try because i have I'm I'm probably too structured in the form like when I do music, I'm like, all right, well, this scene is action, so I'm gonna put on my action writing <laughs> playlist, you know what I mean? Or this scene is emotional, so I'm gonna put on my, you know, my whatever my playlist. So like um I think the idea of of, of having a playlist that's you know, five hundred songs or so and then shuffling up, that's that's a pretty that's a that's a pretty interesting concept. I'm I've gotta probably try something like that as, instead of being so I think I'm too rigid sometimes, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, mean <laughs> I do that as well. I mean there's absolutely times I um with different books just have a playlist which uh mm-hmm. it is very much more focused. I mean I did a joke playlist when I was doing Darth Vader, which was it's people, I never link to it, but it's uh, it's on. If you go to my Spotify account, you hit more Kim Gillan's Darth Vader plays. That's interesting, and it's just the Imperial <laughs> March ten times. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, Darth Vader was a great series. So, I'm like, like, like I said before we started, like, I'm a huge Star Wars head. Like, I, uh, I read. And uh, I read pretty much everything. Um, so I'm a little bit behind on, co- on a couple of the books, but uh, like I, I read like all the books, uh, all the comics, uh, comics I'm behind on too right now. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, the, the Darth Vader series was a uh, was an excellent one as well, and I and I love uh, love Doctor Aphra. Yeah, she's uh, that's that's probably one of my favorite characters from like the newer. Uh, I don't know what you call the age, I guess this age of star wars <laughs> yeah i must say like the new canon i guess but like yeah. canon's always a loaded word like, right yeah yeah that's true oh yeah i guess yeah yeah, yeah. okay you know, so post 2014 there was that announcement that everything thereafter would be the case so yeah i guess the new canon um but yeah uh it, it, but in any case uh no i like i like i like like music is is, is always a is, is a big way for for a lot of people to get going um so like i want to ask the question that i usually ask about the the plotter versus the pantser. I think I know the answer, maybe. But then again, maybe I don't. <laughs> so what? Like, what's kind of your? I mean, well, you did mention that 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 uh, you you approach weekend divine a little bit differently than like say stuff like phonogram. So, um, yeah, planner or pantser? It's like, I think it's one of these things. Like, I think everyone's real answer is somewhere between the two, you know. And I think right. it's like because yeah. if I mean you could you could probably get away with like the pure plotter. I mean. Uh, any map is imperfect the only map which is actually perfect is actually the thing which it describes <laughs> so the only true you know plan of a novel is a novel <laughs> you know right. uh, so everything else is going to involve some creation at some point during the line mm-hmm. but oh no i'm uh Wiktiv was a kind of about structuralism Wiktiv was kind of like i need the final panel at the start um this is coming off the back of like a lot of the books i did for marvel like i did a book called journey to mystery and like, yeah. another book called journey of avengers and journey to mystery like was me doing an intensely structural work where I kind of knew most of the last issue when I started right. and kind of like, and it was all about tactics of, because like 75% of Journey into Mystery was a tie into some crossover or another. 
Mm-hmm. So part of my structure was I need to be able to subvert every single crossover I'm in to tell the story I want to tell. So mm-hmm. I was 100% planning to base, you know, all this kind of weirdly aggressive tools to somehow tell a story, which I developed working at Marvel. Uh, how can I apply that kind of similar level of intricacy to this big creator own work? Especially because, you know, I'm a Watchman head. I'm somebody who, lo- mm-hmm. you know, I came into comics via Watchmen. And what right. appeals to me about Watchmen is the ridiculous perfection of its structure the idea this is, this yeah. is a, an interlocking machine and the idea of this i mean alan writes about this in one of his writing for comics books this short book of essays they collected from the mid 80s avatar did it in the early noughties and one of the joys about comics is that it's a visual medium a but it's one that you can move back and forth in very quickly so like mm-hmm. if you're in a movie you might you know yes this scene may recall something earlier but you can't really stop and check and also, right. if you do it too subtle, people won't know. And therefore, you've got to watch it like <laughs> eight times. And that's much harder. Whereas in comics, right. you experience it all simultaneously. You can go back and forth. You're mm-hmm. more... And also, it's very it's a quick medium to read. So it's kind of like I was always trying to write for the reread. You know, right. like, I think most of my... I think it might be a problem in my work that a lot of the stuff reads better with a reread. Um, and you've come to it with an interesting position in that... Um, having, you came to it when it's finished, which is a very different experience than people who read it every month. Right, and that was yeah, that was that yeah. was a and you can sort the level of twists in Wiktiv means that <laughs> was this, was a, this is kind of probably getting ahead of ourselves, but there's a bit like three quarters of the way in where it's such a big twist that the remain the earlier the earlier like thirty three issues ha- no longer exist. Right. Like you can't you literally <laughs> we've replaced those issues with completely new issues on your shelf, and you'll never read them the same again. Right. So right. that level of structure, yeah, very clearly on that. Planner versus Panzer, I knew the end, I knew the beginning, I knew the major beats along the way, I knew mm. the themes, I knew the um, arcs of each major character to at least some degree. Right. However, even that kind of intricate, really intricate structure, there's still so much room for expression. Like there's so many, because right. you, you change over five years. So mm. at least part of the being a planner, in the same way for Marvel, I had to plan for the crossovers. Here I had mm. to plan for the fact, my interests are going to change over five years. Right. I'm going to discover more about these people. I'm going to discover more about myself. And, right. you know, and they have to be enough flexibility. Like, in very real, the fourth year, to simplify it, is solve the equation, is what my plan was. <laughs> in that, you know, like, yeah. a lot of things yeah. are in play. I know roughly how mm. some of the beats end, but there's an equation here. You'll know more then. You'll have to work out a way to make it perform aesthetic sense. So right. it's a mix between knowing everything but not knowing exactly I mean, like, there's a bit, the Baphomet and Morrigan plot, where it comes to a climax around issue 36, could have come to a climax around 23. You know, there's these kind of, the B plots you saw weaving and out of the mix. Right. Whilst the main plots, like, knew where the end of the first arc was. Okay, Law will be, you know, this character dies at the end of the first arc, mm-hmm. Law does this finger click. End of the third, second arc, this other character dies. End right. of the third arc, this character comes back. Start, end of the fourth arc, this character murders someone else. Mm-hmm. Fifth and sixth arc, they all fall to pieces. End of that arc, <laughs> no big reveal, and so on and so on. You know what I mean? Like, and right. I always describe it like having um, a ma- like, it's like you know the way to Mount Doom. You know, I say, okay, we've got to yeah. get to Rivendell. At the end yeah. of this arc, we'll be at Rivendell, but mm-hmm. what route are we going to take? And like, do you sort of, I do the tight plotting as we do each arc, and mm-hmm. then, but I, but the bigger picture is always there, sort of the guideline. I always right. know I'm going to Mount Doom, metaphorically speaking. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely, and 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 I, and I like that idea. I mean, I think I think in like simplest terms, a lot of writers kind of think in that way. I think a lot of a, a lot of writers think of okay, I've got to I've got to know my major beats uh, along the way. But I don't know, like I, I think I think it's uh, I think it's 
partially an unconscious thing. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. to, to an extent, but when you think of it, at least I don't know. I kind of had an epiphany. I thought when I was reading <laughs> Wicked Divine, I was like, I was like, this was so like everything here, here was so um like uh what's what's the word I'm looking for uh, I, I just, uh what's that foreshadowed I went yeah foreshadowed is a good word yeah and it was just so deliberate that's that's what I was looking for everything was so deliberate there wasn't it didn't feel like there were any accidental this happens and then oh that's like like it did like some some things you you could write and then it like works and you know it works together smoothly because the writing is generally smooth but this felt very very like okay you for sure knew that this was going to happen here and for sure knew that this was going to happen here and then because you knew what was going to happen in issue 30 33 34ish whatever you could put that scene that you put in issue 1 you know what i mean like like that kind of foresight is is so uh powerful because um somebody may know what they're going to have in issue 30 something or roughly like a like let's mm-hmm. use like a vague vagueish something that's going to be there that calls back to something that's in the first issue, but to have like the exact thing, you know what I mean? Like a direct, yeah, this is literally exactly what's happening here. Not sort of what's going on here, not the thematic, you know, what was, this is literally what was happening. What, what, what is happening? Uh, well, well, this first scene, even though we have no idea what's going on. I remember I read the first scene and then, <laughs> and then like, I read the first arc and I'm like, it, it, I'm like, well, that thing referred back to that first scene, so this is a long haul thing. Okay, got it. <laughs> so, uh, so, but it's so it's so rewarding to 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 see it, uh, you know, way you know, way deep into the to the arc later on, uh, or to the story later on. Mm. Um, so, um, I don't, I know, I butchered my way of trying to trying to explain. That. I couldn't find the right words. Oh no, no, no! You <laughs> mean in some ways, there's a like, there's a problem with doing it that way. Is that um, I think Wikdiv really did its it was so intricate and so deliberate. It right. was almost bewildering at times. You know, the right. fact it was, it was in some ways reading a one goes good because it's easier to not forget it bits and mm. every detail was important. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Ev- you know, at least everything I tried to pay off paid off. And mm. some of the stuff like if, if you've half forgotten something, which is not, which is not, I'm not saying that's the fault of the reader, but mm. like it is so intricate. That's there's a, there's a buy in there. And we were always kind of in a position of, not just that having stuff pay off, but also reminding people of stuff before it paid off. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. Do you remember back in issue one, we did this? We probably better mention <laughs> that again to show that we haven't forgot it and it will come back, you know? Right, yeah. right. No, yeah, there, I mean, there's there's a lot of that. I mean, for every character, there's something. That, I mean, the hints are laid out for every character. I think that's important. I think mm. I think it's very important, um, especially after reading this, even I, I have a more conscious way of thinking about it uh, since reading this. Uh the, it, how important it is to really define what, the, what each character arc is so that so that early on because it's not i mean there's the main arc and the main big the, the bad guy doing the bad thing but then there's like every character has like their individual struggles that they're working with and mm-hmm. all of them have something that either they have to either uh without the face it's at some point and they in each character faces that thing at some point, uh, Dian, I, I butcher his name. Dionysus. Yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> There's several characters I can't pronounce. Literally, like I put them in the book, and I don't know how to pronounce. Them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so his, his arc, uh, it's the sleeping thing that came to mm-hmm. a head. You know what I mean? Uh, Ball's whole thing. I, I won't say it directly because that's a pretty big reveal. That came to a head. Um, uh, even even uh, uh, the main, Laura, her 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 thing. Because for for a while in the book, I was like. Man, Laura, you're you're kind of out there. Like you're like 
you could tell that she was like disconnected like from life for a mm. while and i was like man she is going through the struggles right now uh like like and, and, I, and i thought about uh her family and whatnot and which which again that thing is directly addressed and i'm like yeah it makes sense because she's like really disconnected from from everyone right now so so uh, i think knowing what a character's arc at least early, even, even if you don't know every single little thing they do because like like you said over time over the course of five years or as you mm-hmm. write a particular issue specific details are going to come in but knowing the the long the long uh or the broad strokes um and having like very specific things that they have to deal with written out like in bold like these are for sure has to happen Dionysus uh, I know I messed up the thing. He for sure has he, to deal with this issue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Lord for sure has to come to terms with with her choice, uh, with what she wanted so bad, and then what she had to pay for for that. Uh, Sockman has. She's just Sockman's just crazy. She's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's like there's a really useful Greek phrase. I mean, the phrase I used, which was Aristotle. I think it's Aristotle's Hamartia. I may right. I may be butchering that. Hamartia <laughs> is the idea, the the tragic flaw of the hero. Mm-hmm. And like all the characters, either they have a hamartia and they overcome it, or they don't. Right. Uh, and some of them they overcome it and they still die anyway. And it's always about this kind of like, can they face? Do they are are they willing to move this past or not? And some of them aren't. They would rather not give. They would rather. And all of it's in the case of like Dionysius. Like Dionysius' main hamartia is that he only he wants to live for everyone else. He wants to make everyone else happy. He right. wants to, you know. And of course, he reaches his awful like midway climaxes. If you give, if you give, if you're incredibly altruistic to everybody, you eventually mean you haven't got enough of other people who need you in the moment. So that's yeah. kind of like you yeah. can't be you can't be all altruistic. Eventually, it hurts the people who love you. Right. Um, right. And Dionysus, trust me, Dionysus the end makes me like that. One of his scenes absolutely <laughs> makes me weller. Uh, there's a whole um, <laughs> absolutely the, the Daft Punk song no, uh, one more time, uh, which is that, oh, whole, yeah. that whole fight sequence is to we're alluding to one more time really strongly. Mm-hmm. And I, I was DJing and I played it like before the issue came out but after some people had read it mm-hmm. so there were some people hugging each other and crying on the dance floor and no one else knew what <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, but yeah yeah i just like knowing the it's that kind of like you don't need to know the specifics but you have a, that piece of paper above mm-hmm. that desk saying dinosius equals this right. and you know that kind of like this is their problem this is what they're gonna have to deal with and go through mm-hmm. um and that you're right that really kind of clarifies your writing i think mm-hmm yeah, and the theme is so like I, I talked about theme um, on a, on a different episode with uh, Brian Hill, um, and uh, uh, man, theme is so like that's like the, one of the most elusive things in writing I think because um, like you can tell a story and not um, you, you can tell a story and not know the theme not maybe not tell it well but you like, you can I mean you can <laughs> physically write a story and not know the thing sometimes you can tell it well without mm. physically knowing the theme but whatever your feeling is, is coming through so strong that that becomes the thing. But um, I think that it's very important to be uh, conscious about the theme and be, and be deliberate about the theme, uh, such as with uh, Dionysus, because that's, I mean, I, I didn't even think about the fact that it was, it was about altruism and giving too much of himself. I, I did, I did think about the fact that he was helping, trying to help everybody, but then like that, that, that particular thing, like, like knowing that when you're writing, it helps you to 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 make his arc that much more powerful, you know. Um, so and then it played it to the big to the to the big plot very very well. Um, Thank you. But I agree. It's like um, there's a lot there in terms of just. I mean, that's so much of the structure is about that. It's like I know what these people are, and then you. It's like a, it's less having a plan and more having a plan of 
a battle plan, I guess. As in these right. attacks, you know, as in you know the objectives. How are mm-hmm. you going to approach this objective? How are you going to underline every point this character is about this? And especially because mm-hmm. the larger structure of Wicked is you've got these 12 gods around Laura. And, all, and Laura, to some degree, faces all their struggles. You know, right, like, right. but, you know, and she's the kind of character who kind of sympathizes them all and eventually managed to save them or not, you know? And that's mm-hmm. the kind of like, she learns and discovers about herself by seeing the worst and best parts of herself echoed back at her through the other characters. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's, you know, and all that for me is, it's so funny because it's like, you, you get, we're going to talk about this later, I'm sure, about plot versus character. But right, for me, right. like, you know, the character is plot. You know, like a uh, plot is how I delineate character. Right, <laughs> you know, right. Like, yeah, that was actually deline- going to be my very next question. Because <laughs> 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 uh, I mean, that so well, yeah, we'll, we'll go right in, right, right into that because I know you're, you're about to go off about that, and that's that definitely a, a super important. That's one of the most commonly asked uh, questions, as, as far as like when somebody like what people ask themselves. Mm-hmm. I think when they're when they're writing a story is uh, okay. Is this plot based or is this character? Because I'll go on forums or whatever, like on you know Facebook groups where we're talking about writing, and people, um, some people ask, uh, "Hey, so what's your what's your story about? What's the plot?" And then some people will go, um, "Well, what's who who's your character?" You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I, I don't I don't know. I, I, I think I think they're I think they're both like equally important. You know, I, I don't I don't know that I don't know if something has to be plot driven or character driven. What's kind of your thoughts on on that? I think it's like this has become a wishy-washy answer. I think, but it's one of the things I think they the way they merge to each other. It's one of the things like people ask, "Where do you get the idea from?" Mm-hmm. And you get my answer is all not always, but uh, one of my answers is you get the idea whatever is the first piece of a jigsaw puzzle, and then you add the other pieces. And like yeah. literally, that kind of if you have like a core image, like so, how do we? You start building the other pieces by then. So any place you start by definition is where you start, and you don't mm-hmm. really. You can start anywhere. And in that kind of like, in something like Wicked, I think character drives plot. Like, these are about people making choices. You get to a point, especially like by the midpoint, Wicked is primarily driven by these characters wanting things and then what will they do to get them? Right. You know, and that's the, and and they become, so there this character wants to do this, therefore they'll do this and this character will do that. And therefore, you know, it becomes all Mm. about how these characters express their, character through their choices and that is why the plot is compelling i hope mm-hmm. um but sometimes Wicked is a big this is the, like when i actually write synopsis of Wicked, like you know imagine like i'm talking to a tv person or whatever it's very easy with Wicked to get lost in the weeds of the mythology right like, the mythology yeah. is huge you know mm-hmm. it's deliberately i mean that's you know i mentioned the plan for what i might be interested in across five years Wicked mm-hmm. being told across six thousand years of human history means anything <laughs> i fall in love with i can put into Wicked. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know that was you know always the plan um but and if you just start talking about i mean it's like to, let's turn to lords i've literally been writing some die today so all my me- all my metaphors are lord of the rings right right uh, <laughs> yeah I, I, I noticed some, some uh other lord of the uh lord of the rings metaphors in die <laughs> yeah but you know we love everyone loves lord of the rings we immediately go to uh not everyone but you know the, the myth, you know, that there's this ring. It was made by a long time ago by this evil guy, Sauron. Right. You know, right. you can talk about that forever, but it's not. It's really about Hobbit going somewhere and being sad. <laughs> you know, yeah. like yeah. that's the real story of Lord of the Rings. The, the background, mm. it's, that's, the mythology is so obviously big mm-hmm. and it's exciting. It dramatizes things. Dramatizes things. Um, but the, the, the second by second moment is all about people. It's about like one of my, like one of the favorite beats early on is just like Laura deciding to send a text message. Uh, mm-hmm. find, actually, Twitter. She finally goes back on Twitter 
and she, <laughs> yeah. re- ent- and she enters the world again. And she's just gone for a cigarette pack at the local shop. And it's incredibly, mm-hmm. part of me with Wick did was like trying to do those kind of grounded character beats and then playing them out like bigger. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, so it's like, I occasionally wondered if there was a tension in my working method between knowing when my destinations are, as you know, I say, I know the end of the arc versus like, if that was, if I'm truly a character-based writer, surely that means that I'm not, I'm a, you know, I'm somebody with plots and then I'm using character writing to justify those places. Mm-hmm. And part of it goes, maybe that's true. Like there's a, <laughs> that one of my, there's a really minor beat in issue third arc where Dionysius is grabbed from like a, a takeaway in South London, dragged down into the underworld. Yeah. And he is basically, he's being talked into joining in the attack to rescue Minerva. Mm-hmm. No, not rescue Minerva, rescue Minerva's parents. Right. Um, and in my plot outline, I just write Dionysus is talked into it. And of course, I get to writing that scene. And it's like, why on earth? Well, Dionysus is a nice guy. He's not a fighter. Why, <laughs> why on earth would he get into this? Right. Uh, and then just like the scene, it's like, so they try to talk him into it and he's pushing back, you know, and it's the offer of the refusal, the offer of refusal. Mm-hmm. But Minerva just says, please, please, my mom, you know, my mum and dad are in there. You've got to help me. Mm-hmm. And then half, Dionysus instantly all in. No, right, okay, right. let's do it. And but then also the oh, we haven't met. I'm Dionysius. Pleased to meet, pleased to meet you. That's the that's my other, just the minor character. B as a Dionysius, it a immediately goes in on the heart, but B immediately becomes human as afterwards in terms of like right. you know, and, that, that, and it sounds like I'm making a big deal about a very small beat there, but that is a lot of a lot of it. And I suspect if I ever hit a bit where a character just wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what I would do, but I don't think I've ever hit a bit where I felt that I'm actually forcing the character to do it. Because I think on some level I must know they must say yes. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, and 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 that's and that's why that's why I'm I'm, I'm always at an impasse when it comes to the character versus the plot thing, because <clears throat> excuse me. Because when it when it comes down to it, it's like the, the plot's gonna go like at the end of the day that the characters are going to define her in any like if Frodo decided I'm not gonna take this thing this ring to the to Mordor, <laughs> then you got a whole different plot, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, yes, the plot is okay. There's an evil evil thing. Rings gotta be thrown to the fire to end the war or whatever. But like if if he says no, then you, I mean, you got a whole different story. I mean, yeah, like yeah. what what happens then? Like do the does. Legolas try to you know Legolas and Gimli go go into Mordor themselves. Yeah. Like what happens, you know? Well, you know, you know Frodo just stays in the Hobbiton and just becomes a, a Dark Lord in Hobbiton. <laughs> you know, like, you know, right. come, come, come and get it. I'm keeping it. No, right? Oh yeah, yeah. If he chooses to keep it, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah so I mean, right, you know, yeah. I'm, as a matter of fact, uh, to, to to speak about uh, Die for just a moment, one of the things that really got me about Die was the moment when. Uh, tiny spoiler listeners uh one of one of the moments in die that got me was was when um they're getting ready to go back home and then two of them i won't say who yeah. <laughs> two of them are like they're like ah, hold on a second <laughs> and then i'm like oh okay i, I see where this is going now like you this. see the guy <laughs> <laughs> right 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 um so like stuff like that it's like yeah there's the, the, the plot is that this this, this die game just pulled you in you know, but but then the characters they're like, nah, we're doing this. You know what I mean? So it's like, is it? It's like push and pull. It's like it's like they work, they, they intermingle, they work with one another. You know? I think it's the kind of like, especially with like Doi is a really good example because Doi is like a game show. It's got the rules are so clean. We all go home if we all agree, mm-hmm. and you don't get a vote if you're dead. <laughs> you know, and that's why okay. And then you know that's literally a game show. That's like Survivor. 
Um, right. <laughs> but with the case of Dyer, like, I knew that these two characters would not want to go home. And therefore, the point becomes, I need to make sure, I need to delineate along the first arc why these two people want to stay. And so mm-hmm. their decision immediately becomes <laughs> fear. And that's kind of, I think, part of the way... I think I said that at the start, character is plot might be my one-liner way of putting it. Right. But like, yeah. I think... A false, I think it might be a false dichotomy to sort of... We get obsessed over it quite a lot. I, it just drives me it might be an, a false dichotomy because, I don't know, I think about planet... We're talking about this in terms of what does Frodo do with the ring? And there's definitely mm-hmm. writers who would not know it. They might go the other way. You know, like, like you mm-hmm. read, like, from writing from Stephen King. This is my standard writing advice, by the way. Right. So read <laughs> story, remember key, and read on writing by Stephen King. Oh, because yeah, absolutely. Because they're, they're both contradictory. You know, these, and, that's kind of, and both these people clearly know a lot about writing. Mm-hmm. So like, read, if no one's ever written before, read this and realize on some degree, you're making your own choices and you're on your own. Right. You know? yeah. right. I like that. I like that. Yeah. On writing, yeah. On writing is like my, it's like one of my number one writing things. It's like, all right, before you write, if you want to write, okay, cool. Go read on writing. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just like one of your, it's like one of your ground zero, your, your writing one-on-one. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I, I want to get into a little bit. So we so we talked about like characters and how how they drive story and stuff like that. Uh, a little bit about uh, structure. This uh, there's a, there's a lot of like frameworks out there for writing, like you know, save the cat and mm-hmm. three act structure, five act stru- structure, uh, hero's journey, that sort of a thing. Um, when did did you use any of these structures or or or, a, or a offshoot of any of these structures, or did you kind of create your own kind of thing? I'm I, I talking about like specifically like when you're writing uh, the stuff down on paper or word processor or whatever yeah i must admit i don't i mean i've read a bunch of stuff i mean, I mean i've just mentioned story uh you know and i think i think about act structure the nature of comic means quite sorry the nature of comics means you're not necessarily working in that mode as much you know what mm-hmm. i mean and yeah. as part of the joy of comics is you take from a lot of other places and you can take from other places and like mm-hmm. there's things about comics which are close to poetry you know like the idea of like how much information you can fit on a page how you can arrange that artfully how can you do sort of minimalism Mm-hmm. Um, and like uh, my wife actually she did a book about poetry comics the idea of doing comics which are trying to do what poetry does and you know there's lots of interplay um, in the case of the comics we mainly work on like a 20 page unit so in other words right. like what, how, how, how would I use React structure you know because I can't do that because <laughs> the unit itself has to be satisfactory mm-hmm. <laughs> so what, what, I'm, uh, what I'm more thinking about is often the unit of story is a self. So it's more like the idea each each atomic unit is its own thing. And therefore, mm-hmm. and also I'm thinking about reversals quite a lot in terms of right. like I, uh, avoiding double beat. You know, like the, uh, if I've done, I don't want to, and this is something else, I think the clearest of anyone, right? This was uh, Robin D. Laws, who's mainly a game designer, but he's also a writer. Right. He did uh, Hamlet's Hit Points. I think that was his book. <laughs> and it's, um, but it rather than, it sort of rejects acts because right. I want to say reject like that. I'm paraphrasing, but he's much more into upbeats and downbeats and the idea you can graph a story's upbeats and downbeats across the whole area. Mm. And like, generally speaking, two downbeats or two upbeats will not be as interesting, you know? Right. And like, like kind of like hope, fear, hope, fear. <laughs> uh, and that's, that's kind of the bounce I quite regularly use. And with comics, it's kind of, there is a peristaltic wave to comics. That's that's a very biological metaphor there. But the um or systolic heartbeat. Like at the end of the issue, the end of the issue must be interesting enough to carry you forward a month. Or right. carry to the and in the case of a trade, like the, the end of the 
in case of a trade in terms of a series of comics, the mm-hmm. most the biggest heartbeat must be at the end of the arc to carry you across the gap to the next trade. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's I mean like obviously like, um uh Brian K. Vaughan is the master of like the, the systolic heartbeat model of comics mm-hmm. in the you know every issue will end of something big enough to oh my god what happens right. next. Um, <laughs> and it doesn't have to be as crass as a, cl- a cliffhanger. No, let me take that back. Nothing wrong with cliffhangers. But like you know, here's a big beat. Here's something like oh, I need to know what happens next. And that slight distortion means to Basically, what I'm saying is that you have to end up thinking about the form you're working with. Mm-hmm. And in comics, especially the Vertigo model extended like 50 to 70 issue series, right. like that has a sort of structure. And what I did there was, you know, I looked at what Sandman did or uh, Preacher did or Invisibles did mm-hmm. and kind of like, okay, this is my area. What do they do? What what do I want to recapitulate? Because I think it's right. And what do mm-hmm. I want to do at, do otherwise? Because I think it's wrong. <laughs> and I, you know, and it's <laughs> yeah. like... It's, it's not, I think I could do it better, but that's what any writer does. You know, right, like course, that yeah. kind of like, for me, it was a case of like, I thought most of those series were like maybe 10 issues too long. Mm-hmm. So I, I was planning for like about 50 issues, you know, yeah. that kind of, yeah. you know, that, that sort of thing. But no, I don't use a lot of um, classical structure like that. And to us, yeah. a lot of it's because I'm quite autodidactic, um, which is the word I had to learn, mes- taught, teach myself to say properly. <laughs> but um, there's so much I do, is, which is basically just looking at the text and tearing it apart myself. Mm-hmm. Like, Something I've noticed about people when you, um, some writers, and this is speaking really broadly, is when you, you listen to advice and you, you go, and you don't actually think about how it applies to your work. You think about how your work is already doing it. So what you're really yes. looking for is confirmation. So right. words, it's like acts. You go, oh, here's my act three. Here's my act two. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, and only when you kind of like certain stages of writing, you realize, oh, no, now I get it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you can hear it, but you can't, fe- you don't really feel it. And that, right. I can definitely think about multiple times in my life where I go, oh, right, yeah, that's why people don't like my story. Or right. rather, this is where I went wrong. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, I, Wick, talk about something from Wick did, like, um, I think I fluffed the introduction to Morrigan and Baphomet because I mm-hmm. kept the, complica- I kept the, emo- due to the fact you did not know what their emotional stakes were mm-hmm. until significantly later, meant right. that plot never quite landed and I, I basically after the issue three i was playing sort of patch up medical work on that plot line till about mm-hmm. issue 11 or 12 <laughs> you know um you know uh, th- and that, that's kind of the um like mystery things i forget who actually said it, but mysteries tend to be more okay I'm, i wouldn't say i'm anti-mystery but okay i would say i'm answering myth anti-mystery box storytelling structure but mm-hmm. i'm obviously someone who also likes mysteries like wickdiv is clearly driven by it right. but as you said yeah. earlier wickdiv is clearly early on we make promises and we pay off really early like mm-hmm. say the um the tara plot line like we, right. we drop the fucking tara line in issue one and then we pay this off in issue 13 as an all oh, right no no that is clear and we're doing a talk about <laughs> abuse and uh, the awfulness of being in the spotlight so like mm-hmm. people know that even something said there oh we pay it off so that kind of automatically makes the hope was it makes people think, oh right, these these people have a plan and they are going to pay off all these very long term mysteries. Right. Um, oh yeah, sorry, I was going to say a mystery is more interesting to a writer than it is to the audience. Always the, the point um, being is, yeah, and I think the the who wrote who actually wrote, oh I think it was film critic Hulk actually I think it was him. <laughs> um, but it's the, I mean the point is of course the how do I phrase this the the writer knows the story mm-hmm. so by definition 
the story is a mystery to the reader. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, like, the point, the idea that you have to have a twist. I know, of course, Wicked is so twisty, it sounds weird that I'm arguing this. But, like, <laughs> the, the, I think, audiences just quite like the story being told because it is a mystery to them. And, they, you know, mm-hmm. and keeping the motivation of a character mystery means that the audience is incapable of caring about Right. You know, as right, in like, okay, right. I need, I know what this person wants. <laughs> um, you know, and now I can understand it being kept away from them. And that and they're weighing up between what is a mystery, what is mystery create interest and what is actually too much mystery in cape leading to complete alienation. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Um, right, right, right. Right answer. You know, that's part of our job. <laughs> um, I mean that <laughs> honestly that that leads pretty well to another question I had because uh what you said about mystery and how you know the story in the, in the audience the, the reader does not know the story so it, everything is like a reveal because you're you're feeding them the information um but i think one of the things that's really done in in wicked and divine um um and 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 in died dies a little earlier in the in, in the process uh, i think it's like 15 issue 15 is out yeah, yeah um uh but but i but i see it there too is is the revelation oh yeah actually i'm thinking about die like stuff with the uh the fallen for example that's a pretty big mystery um but uh is how i think that i think one of the the best ways to to tell a story is is not really uh, how, how should i work so so right so okay so we write all this backstory and stuff like that right we have all this we, these characters are this they've got this in their past they're dealing with this this trauma whatever but i think it's the way that we give it to the mm. to the reader that makes the story good and i think that was done exceptionally well in wicked and divine i want to i want to refer to uh specifically a moment i pointed out where um Ananke is in the past talking to her, her sister and they lay out the rules um and i thought i thought what was i mean i, I actually literally i was in the car um <laughs> i was in the car and i was uh you know at the nikki i watched my my kids at the because the covet we can't both go in so my wife's inside with the baby and i'm in the car with the kids so i'm like reading comics um <laughs> and uh i remember there was that scene where she's they're talking about the rules and they go okay rule one is you know blah 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 two is blah blah three is blah blah and that first time they do it it ends but then uh, i can't remember what number issue later but then later on they refer back to it goes back to that same scene and i love the paneling here because they use a whole panel to set up oh remember this kind of like no words just like we're, we're here again um here she is on the ground and then she says rule four and i was just like <laughs> like that like that type that that was like expertly done and i and i think it's that kind of a thing um doing being able to do that well like like you said it doesn't have to be a um Shyamalan twist <laughs> you know what i mean i think just releasing your information at the right time with the and with the right impact is uh is is, is a powerful way to do that so uh, so i so i say all i'd say uh, uh or i guess my, my question would be is how, how do you kind of how do you kind of wade through the waters of when to release information like you know um when when is it a good time to release it when is it you know how do you do you know that beforehand? Do you figure it out as you go, or you know? That's an, I mean, especially with like something like Wicked, where I mean, Wicked's got a bunch of themes. It's very clearly about death. It's very clearly about art. Uh, it's kind of secret theme which creeps up in you. I describe it as lies, but it's basically how stories deceive you. Right. And Wicked, you know, Ananke is explicitly somebody who is trying to deceive people with a story yeah. that she wants yeah. people to punch. She's not analogous to my, you know, all the characters are a bit me. 
Bernanke especially. You know, she's the person <laughs> who knows all the story and it's basically I can make I control anything you I can make you think whatever I want you to think. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you know? Exactly. And, yeah. and she's and she's very clearly the bad guy. Uh, <laughs> and that in some ways is the job. And like Wickdiv is quite aggressive about every I wouldn't say every single way, but a, a lot of ways that stories can make you think the wrong thing. That mm-hmm. and so Wickdiv is kind of like just I often talk about Wickdiv as a card trick. Especially when, like, the issue 33 reveal was, like, me doing a very complicated card trick for three years in public <laughs> and, like, being petrified. I was, and honestly, I would not recommend it because it's, like, <laughs> the level... Honestly, the level... I kept on thinking I would accidentally tweet the wrong names or something or, like, tweet, mm-hmm. uh, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and also the, the awareness that, okay, am I going to mess it up? Am I going... And if you do it... If you don't foreshadow enough, it's a cheat, you know? Yeah, You've yeah. got... You know, like, yeah. I'm very, very into playing fair. And it's such a... Wicked in some degrees was like a scorpion. It's got this one big trick, and it's not quite true. There's this, you know, what I mean, like, but so much is about the car, the the prestige of it. Right. Uh, whilst Die is after Wicked, that's I'd done it, and basically, people really like the big beats that Wicked. But in reality, I don't think it was quite worth the emotional strain I put myself through to pull it off. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I've done it once. I don't need to do it again. And in reality, some of the other beats landed much more. You know, the emotionally grounded stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and so Die was much more me about playing with an open hand a bit. And I even when doing Wicked, I tend to, I try, I don't like thinking about twists. I like, I do like the word reveal in that right, kind of, because right, right. twists, you know, reveals are satisfying when you reread as well, you know, because you're interested in seeing it coming, you know. Mm-hmm. And the, for me, it's like when you learn about Baal or when you learn about Sackbet right. or uh, all these people, like I knew their dark secrets at the start, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you reread the scenes, you can just see the, um, you know, you know this about them, and then they're going. I mean, I mean in issue two, when our, our I can't, I don't know if it's two or three. It's early, very early. I think it's the first arc when you meet Ball, and they and they mention, oh, you're. I can't remember which yes. one it is. You're, and they go, your body goes. I'm not. I, I do. I do lightning. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you, you don't really think about it. I mean, like, like it's there. Like you read it, and as a reader, you're not really thinking. You're just like, okay, so he does lightning. Okay, and then that's like you don't really think much beyond that. But then when the reveal happens. You go back to that, and you're like, "Oh snap! It was there." <laughs> it's so weird, like, especially with Wicked is. I was amazed. Like, there was quite an intense readership at the time, trying to puzzle it out and think. You know, they were really. There's a lot of stuff people got. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, which mm-hmm. is which is good because I said because it's meant to be figure outable. There's some yeah. big stuff they didn't. Barely any. I don't think anyone got the bowl bait, which surprises me because in some ways it's one of the more, <laughs> it's one of the more obvious. You know, like right. as you say. It's, on a, if you read it casually, if so, the sort of people who are obsessing over every single panel and going back, right? Like, right. <laughs> I mean, obviously, Bowl's on Bowl makes fire at multiple times during the story. He cries fire at one point. Oh, uh, oh when, wow! Yeah, when yeah, he's that, warning I think I that. <laughs> no, no, that's what I mean. It's like it's hundred percent designed for the reread. Right. Um, sorry, what was the same? Oh, the um, the actual question about revealing information. It was in some ways, Wick Div is like you know the story about the guy, the people with the elephant, the feeling the elephant and seeing. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Its structure is all about. I'm gonna release some information to you and lead to, you, and also release some information to the characters, and they will now act according to that, as if they have complete information and they don't. And the level mm-hmm. of dramatic irony, based upon who knows what at each point of the story, is how the story works. And eventually, you know, that consumes Ananke as well because she hasn't got complete information either. Right, <laughs> you know? right, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's kind of like what I wanted the story to. So it was so much for me with in Wicked was about that choice as in me going and now this and that kind of it's a moment where 
it is just the kind of moment when would be the most interesting point to reveal this fact right uh, and make people go oh and it's normally a second after someone's doing stupid after, <laughs> from the previous you know as in i thought this is true now i read oh no uh but there's other times like um like so, there was a early on there's a whole big mystery of who kills a certain character mm-hmm. and the and that drives the plot for like the first 11 issues yeah and then yeah. like around issue 14 i realize there's no reason i should keep this secret anymore right <laughs> you know? yeah that, yeah that's yeah. No, that's no longer a plot driver and it's kind of revealed <laughs> quite casually in a woden issue yeah like, yeah that's um, right that, that's right yeah and it's more like you just go the plot has moved past and that was more like the device that that dragged you into the plot to a certain point and that was kind of part of the structure of yeah, I, think, I, think, I think i remember at a certain point going oh well yeah i mean we i guess we kind of figured now it's it was it was her you know <laughs> you know yeah, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh yeah it's it's like when it, when it revealed it i was kind of like oh well yeah now i mean now like, yeah but the first 11 uh, or so issues that does drive it but uh or even 12, 11 or 12 uh, or something yeah. somewhere around there um it, it does it does drive it and then and then after a while you kind of realize well it must have been her because who else i mean it could have been someone else but it's kind of like nah it's pretty obvious there yeah. <laughs> but, but you're right it, it did its job like w- when it was supposed to do its job so there, there didn't need to be a big you know and i think i think that i think knowing that like knowing when to not spend too much time on a on a big reveal or or, or something that, that isn't big anymore is important i i, I want to i don't know if you watch any anime uh i'm thinking about uh attack on titan i think they made that mistake in season two or three um there there's a without knowing what's going on in attack on titan there's something that was a big mystery in the first season that kind of gets revealed pretty obviously at the end of the first season but then the season two kind of like acts like the audience still doesn't know uh, and, and, and it made it it really made it drag a lot and it wasn't bad it just really made it it's kind of like, but we know this already you know and then when they tried to drop it at the end of season two like it was a real we were like we knew that <laughs> so what's new <laughs> so yeah i mean it's hard it's like because i must i have sympathy for storytellers i haven't actually watched attack on Titan weirdly uh <laughs> but the um uh i do actually i always meant to watch it the um <laughs> like the ball being a good example as in like there is a universe where like people go oh right bowl's making fire he's clearly not the god he says he is <laughs> you know like and it's so hard because storytellers never know for sure what the audience are gonna get <laughs> right, right. It's, it's like you know what i mean it's such a weird part of the job you just don't and you end up having to sort of improvise and there's definitely times in wicked where stuff i thought was clear wasn't yeah. clear at all and I've yeah. come, i come back like in 10 issues time to basically re-reveal it and like i mean there's a bit <laughs> like right near the end when like ananke or whoever she was at the time mm-hmm. pretty much explains everything to woden mm-hmm. uh or other minerva explains everything to woden and that's right. just me making sure everyone is on the page of what's right. true <laughs> like a lot, a lot of it people could have could have worked out before and some right. of it they definitely knew and some of it was new but it was very much like this is the plot <laughs> now we're, we're all on the right page we can carry on right exactly <laughs> no and i think it's an important thing to do because you're, you're right that's that's a that's a difficult thing in writing it's like mm. i mentioned this thing before but did they catch that or was i too vague you know, should, did I, and then, and then you got to balance it because, like, did I mention it too much? Because if you mention it too much, then they're either going to catch on too early or they're going to be like, why do they keep talking about this and to the mm. point where it's, you know, but if you don't mention it enough, then you get that, that, uh, you, you lose the, uh, the, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't want to miss, use a misnomer here, but, uh, it's kind of, it's, it, it's kind of like you, it's not believable because, because it wasn't foreshadowed enough or it wasn't, yeah. uh, yeah. Have you, have you ever heard the ball metaphor? uh holding the ball hiding the ball 
catch it. Uh, it's the ball juggling the balls. I got it from Neil Gaiman, but I've twisted it a bit myself. Um, no, I don't think so. Uh, I, I'll do it. I'll do it quick version. Stop. But basically, his his entire view of long term storytelling is you're just catching balls. So when you do a plot beat, you're throwing a ball on the air, and as long as you remember uh... to catch that ball. You've created a story, and people okay. <laughs> often people often think you're clever. Like if you throw a ball early on, as long as you remember to catch the ball at the end, people go, "Oh, oh wow, they, they had it planned all along." <laughs> but it's just like you're just chicking stuff off a list. I right. expanded that metaphor. Like I did, I've written about this in uh, Die. There's an RPG I wrote along the side, and there's a beat route at the moment. Nice. There's a lot of GM advice in there. A lot oh. of the GM advice is just me doing writing theory. Like mm-hmm. here's some stuff that applies to you as a as a role player, but this is also me talking about writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's three sorts of balls. And the basic, there's the very obvious ball, which is basically thrown, everyone knows you've thrown this ball. And if you don't catch this ball, they will think the story is broken. It's mm. like, it's like the, who is the one-armed man in the, uh, you know, like that kind of, or, you know, or where is the infinity gauntlet? The story is about that. And if you don't mm-hmm. do something with that, people will just think you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then there are, oh my God, I've got this minor balls. <laughs> oh yeah minor balls minor balls are stuff you throw and the audience doesn't realize remember it they don't remember you throwing it so i always think about the um the cool bit in um actually like a really minor bit in hot fuzz where um they they're, they're sort of just insulting angel and saying um if you'll be a big cop in a small time why don't you just fuck off the model village <laughs> and you know which is a funny line like you know and then of course the final fight is in the model village you know, right, yeah. all, all, all the you know, all the kind of Shaun of the Dead, but all about that. So it was minor foreshadowing to something which you were delighted at paying off, You're not expecting mm-hmm. it to pay off, but right. you remember it. And then there's sneaky balls. The sneaky balls are balls you've thrown, and they will not be noticed until the reread. Like oh, people will literally right. not. I think they are literally written for the literary purposes. So right, you want, right. you know, you want people to go back and look at it again and realise, mm-hmm. oh right, now I'm, you know, I'm now seeing, I'm savouring stuff in a different way. And they're the three forms of for- the three sorts of foreshadowing I break down. And like, right. the- of course, in games that are relevant to die, only the first two sneaky balls don't matter because you can't <laughs> replay them. But the, um, those first, you know, those three are basically, I think, how foreshadowing or useful ways to think about foreshadowing and sort yeah. of characterizing. Okay, this is relevant. There's sometimes I I don't know what story I'm going to be telling next. Like mm-hmm. there's some cat like the one I always talk about is uh, Cassandra's sexuality. Mm-hmm. Like. I was playing with various different... I thought she might be a- asexual for a while. Right, uh, right. And I, and I kept... And that was... And then I, and there's reasons why I couldn't do that. And it, the real reason was because the fact that she couldn't hear the music ended up making the, mu- the idea of music being sex. And, oh, it, and yeah. especially especially when she ends up hearing the music, and imply, mm-hmm. you know, that story, if she was asexual, would imply that asexuals are just waiting for the right person. And you know what I mean? Like, that's, right. not story. I, I'm not, right. that's not a story I ever want to tell. And mm-hmm. so I ended up going the other method, not the other method, the other the other idea I was sort of thinking of, you know, discovering the clarence I wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, but they are both, they were both um, uh, minor balls. So it was both, I, I was kind of foreshadowing both those pop mm-hmm. choices, only little bits, like not something, something everyone, people would only notice. So people would only like, they're aware that people happen to remember it, but they're not enough to make people think it's going to happen. Right, and so the, right. the, that that kind of was essentially keeping my option open. And there's various other bits why, if you use the minor balls to keep your options open where you're not sure, you can mm-hmm. still have something that it feels foreshadowed, you know, with both options. I guess. Right, right, yeah. right. 
Yeah, no, I, I like I like I like that way of thinking of that that juggling. I mean, I've never heard of the juggling method before, the, the juggling the balls method. So that's that's a that's a pretty good way to think about it, and, it, and it's and it's more fluid too. I think a lot of uh, a, a lot of writers, especially early on, we get so wrapped up in uh, the structure of writing. You have to do this. You have to, you know, mm-hmm. when 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 Luke's family has to get killed by the you know by some stormtroopers so we can go off on the on the journey to to blow up the death star you know like it it has to happen like that so you get so wrapped up or 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 even even lord of the rings lord of the rings and star wars is the easiest references because they do follow the structure so i mean they're excellent stories not taking from the stories at all but if we get so wrapped up into thinking that stories have to follow that exact formula then it kind of i think it limits creativity to a certain extent um, versus if you have kind of like this, this juggling method, it feels a lot more fluid. It's like, okay, well, I have things, I know that there's major things that need to pay off. And then there's other things that I'm not sure exactly whether it's going to pay off or not, but it's, but it's up in the air. So I, I could catch it if I need to, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, uh, no, I like, I, I really, I really like that. I mean, that's probably the, the best explanation I've ever had of foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, love, I, I love for, I mean, it's one of the things that you end up doing as a right. I mean, I think all writers end up doing what they like as writers. So like, uh-huh. you know, I, I'm, I said, I'm a big watchman. Watchman was my big influence. Right, but I right. read watchman like 10 times in the first week I had it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was, I was all about the, 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 the stuff that was foreshadowing the stuff you only noticed on the second or third or fourth read. Right. So like so much of my thinking about comics is about how can I hint towards where this is going? Mm-hmm. And I, I said, it's like, I said earlier is I think the fact that may hurt me as a writer in some ways because I am mm-hmm. thinking about the reread and there's other writers who think more about the, the first read um, right. or have more of their attention on the first read. Um, mm. But never, and you can only do what you do. And that's, so it's one of the things that I've become much more um, accepting about like who you are as a person. Cause I think a lot about a writer is like you, you do what you do and you can try to do what you do better. But there's mm-hmm. some, if you change yourself too much and become someone you don't want to be, why are you even a writer anyway? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think writing draws so much from from emotion and, and being kind of in the right headspace. It, I mean, I, I think, uh, I mean, that, that's that's one of my. We're gonna we're gonna wrap it up uh, in, pretty soon here. But one of the, one of my last questions actually is is around. So you wrote this the story over the course of about five years. Um, um, w- at what point? That do you think, or, or do you think at any points, uh, where your head was at, whether it's what's going on in the world, uh, whether it was music or listening, <laughs> any of these things like change like certain things in the story as you as you went along, or how much did it change or not at all? I your emotional state is all. I mean, I was uh, my dad had died. Like my Wickdiv is born of my, the death of my father. You know, mm. I had the idea, the core idea for the book the week uh, the week after he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Oh, and like, and I, no, it's you know, um, it is what it is. It's, it's it's just awful. But like, it's mm. also human. Um, and like, and I basically imploded. And I'd I'd like a hell, like for two years. There were hell years. And this is where Wickdiv comes from in terms mm-hmm. of like this very awful energy. Um, I've sort of lost track. So like <laughs> there is, but like, and I changed like, and Wiktiv in some way was a device to try to heal, you know? And like, right. it's one of the things like Wiktiv has, I think a more optimistic ending than I think people were expecting. Like mm-hmm. it's bleak, but at the same time, it's also, I, I believe it's worthwhile carrying on living, I guess. And mm-hmm. like at the start of Wiktiv, you know, I'm not sure people would have thought that this is a story, you know, we say on the, you know, all these people will be dead. That's the opening <laughs> warning. Um, right. Uh, what? But you know, there's definitely things that change. There's thing, 
this is one of the problems of being a quite planner. There are things, especially in the final year, I'm not sure I would have put in the final year mm-hmm. if it wasn't for the fact they were already, I can't work my way around them. Like mm-hmm. they're already so much part of the structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I, I, you know, all I could do now is actually try to write them as sensitively as I can, you right. know, right. like, and it's like, uh, some of Laura's plot in the final year, I'm not mm-hmm. sure I would have done. And I definitely had to very carefully make sure this could not be misinterpreted. It's stuff like certain things we chose not to be cliffhangers because right. we didn't want to leave those characters. We didn't want to leave people thinking that might be true for a month. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't, this is such a big twist towards the end. I don't want to talk about it explicitly. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, on the other hand, I had, like, four years of learning to be a more sensitive writer, hopefully, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, towards the end, there's some stuff I um, significantly changed from the plan. Like, mm-hmm. especially, so the telling thing was always characters whose end I didn't quite know. Mm. It's like Baphomet's end, uh, Baphomet, Cassandra, and Lucifer. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, Lucifer's the most interesting one for me in that... Um, I didn't realise that Lucifer would... Um, I saw that when I was plotting the final year of Wicked, if I realised, and Ankh's kind of a busted flush, you know? Because mm-hmm. sec- at the end of the seventh arc, when Laura kind of does what she does if she rejects the godhood. Right, um, right. <clears throat> and Ankh's really intellectually lost, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, Laura doesn't know how she's won yet, but she's intellectually speaking, she's lost. So there's a lot in the final arc is about the physical threat of an Ankh rather yeah. than the intellectual threat. Mm-hmm. And that kind of made me realize, okay, well, there's something missing here. And it's like, oh, right, it's very clear. Oh, and of course, Lucifer rejects it. You know, uh, Lucifer, the, this, you know, the final fight isn't against youth versus age. It's really about us, you know, your peers. And, yeah. how, you know, and, that, and, the, and the woman who dragged Laura into this world in the first place, that the person who sold Laura the, the fantasy and, you know, the, the person Laura fell in love with, mm-hmm. that's the final conflict. You know what I mean? And right. I just thought, exactly. And I, and I only really realised that with four years of thinking about it, mm-hmm. I guess. So, like, yeah. there's a, that, I said right at the start, I think, um, so my, my basic plotting for the, the fourth year was solve the equation. So, like, I knew this is how Ananke would be defeated, roughly. <laughs> but, like, but the, the specifics were very open. And that, because that, I knew that at that point, it would be so complicated that the, the satisfactory thing would have to come in that moment. And in some mm-hmm. ways, this comes up, Wicked is art. Right. Like, right. sorry, as in uh, being about art, being about the creative process, as in I had to believe in myself and Jamie as creatist and think up something, a way to tie off all the ends. Like I knew emotionally what the ending would have to be, but how mm-hmm. can we execute that? And there's things like in the in the penultimate issue, when Laura climbs down into the well and drags people up, uh, you know, that kind of rescue mission you get. Right. Yeah. And all That looks like we've planned this. And all the way through, you know, we've got people falling down wells all the way through the story. And no, I, I, I 100% did not think of that until the final issue. Right. You know, right. but it is, ju- you know, but it is just there. And that's kind of like, it's the wonderful thing about writing for me is that, you know, it's the mixture of incredible planning. As I knew the final panel when I started at the same time, seven, seven, di- seven there's a word I can't say, random chance and just like inspiration also, you know, it's a, it's a hell of a thing that we get to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of writing and some of the best stuff uh, comes comes purely from the the emotional the emotion at the time, a feeling at the time. Like mm-hmm. some things you're not you may not be feeling that way on Monday, but on but on Thursday or Friday, you know, you're, you're sitting there, and you're like, wow, this is really what I was I was trying to do. Here. I mean, like I said, it's, a lot of it is unconscious. I mean, I, I think you need to be deliberate, but a, a lot of stuff is 
like when it comes to theme and, and stuff like that. And, and what, what am I really trying to say? What does this mean? I, I think a lot of that, it, it, it may take some time of marinating, you know, to come to come to the top before <laughs> before you mm-hmm. finally realize, okay, this is what I was trying to do. And this is this is the best way to uh, really for endings, I think for endings. I, yeah. I, I, I watch a lot of videos and um, I, I remember watching a, a Pixar video about Inside Out and, and the director talking about, oh, well, what's what's the ending? I don't know if you watched Inside Out. Pixar. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love it. Great movie. Um, but he's talking about he didn't know sadness was the end, the, the solution. Uh, um, and that was it was just beautiful. You know what I mean? Have you watched uh, about the up, uh, the up making of up one, which is a similar discussion? Like about, oh, I haven't watched that one. Yeah, yeah. watch that. It's like similar. Like they have the really good ending involved, the hunter. And it, I was like, mm-hmm. I would have gone for that ending. And they completely explain why it's the wrong ending. And mm-hmm. it's like it's, it's also thematically right and beautiful. The problem is it centers the hunter as the, the main character. You know, right. it's like, it, it, there's so much, like, real craft you can pick up from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, like, Cassandra is the other one in that I didn't mm-hmm. know what happened. And it's the awful moment when I realized that I trapped Cassandra and Cassandra, had, what happened to Cassandra had to happen in the last issue. And then, of course, yeah. it, there's a moment where I realized, oh, well, that's, that's actually right, because this is a book about, because um, I was a bit, I know, like, the ending in issue 44 is not quote unquote it's bittersweet at best you know <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, but the it, when he issue 45 it's like it's it's kind of it is upbeat oh they're, they're gonna live then of course issue 45 is no they're not <laughs> you know because like, we're not and that's it, it's a book that's born of death and it has to come back to the that truth mm-hmm. at the end in other words that's where we're from yeah. i mean um and i tell you there's a one theme and you say you you end up thinking more about the book in some ways like you know, Law was, I knew Law would be depressed in the third arc. And I always knew that I would mm-hmm. take away her captions. So mm-hmm. you were, the reader is more distant from her. So the right. reader can be more suspicious of her. Right. You know, like, and that mm-hmm. was one of the ways I was sort of withholding and revealing information. That was but, that was excellent. That was excellent, by the way. Because I, I didn't even realize it until until it came back. And when it came back, I was like, wow, she was, yeah. <laughs> we didn't, we weren't in her head. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that was fun. And that was like, I was fun to the wrong one. Cause, one's the wrong word but that kind of like the fact what happened to her she was away for an hour when she, when she comes back you don't get her captions and yeah. that kind of you, you you just it takes a while to realize something's off um uh-huh. yeah the um <laughs> but it was like on, actually here's a heavy one it's like on some ways like laura's awful guilt in the third arc it was in mm-hmm. some ways me thinking about like you know wicked is born and my father's death you know mm-hmm. and uh and it's been it's this incredibly successful book it changed my life etc 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 and it's like in some ways i feel like you know I've made a lot of money because my dad died essentially, and I feel terrible mm. about that. You know, yeah. and that's that, but you know, and that that kind of law has something equivalent happen to her, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, like me, sort of realizing, oh yeah, this is what law is feeling is born of me feeling like that in a completely different way as well. Right. So, like, yeah, yeah. it's it's oh, it's cheaper than therapy. <laughs> <laughs> drawing drawing from drawing from uh, emotion, I think, is so important. Like, I you know, it's. It's it's just so it's so so important. I mean, I, I hate to say that oh we we should draw from our tragedies and and, and write from that, but I mean like like uh, a, a lot. I mean, I guess it doesn't have to be tragedy. I mean, it could be it could it could be other, you know love or or what have you. You know what I mean? Or or mm-hmm. or just something that that you saw. I know. I, I just think writing from feeling is important. You know, I I feel like, and, I, and I think sometimes writing in that moment, like sometimes like there's been times where I've like. Oh, I gotta go on break. Like if I'm at, if I'm at work, I gotta go on break um, because something happened, or I saw something, or I gotta pull over, mm. or I saw, or I was on the train and whatever. And let me, I gotta pull over and just write this feeling out in some way, write a scene 
that encapsulates this feeling. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, and even when you return to it, it's not quite there in the same way, but you kind of captured it. I think it's important to try to capture it. And so, or dreams. Dreams is a big one. Every oh, once in a while. I had a dream last a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And I, I swear I'm going to do an entire comic just for the visual. I had something generally <laughs> so disturbing. I was like, oh, I, I could, this is probably worth keeping. Right. I, at the very least, someone else has to see this as well, because frankly, I don't want to. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's definitely kind of useful, and you don't have to go one for one as well. Like, you can always tap your emotions. And mm-hmm. like, and then change it, and you know, like, because mm-hmm. you, you remember these sort of feelings, then they don't have to be as close as what I just described. Because right, even exactly. that isn't because yeah. you know, I didn't actually, you know, what I didn't actually. My reality and, and Laura's reality are very different, right, um, right? But like that kind of thing. Oh, I did that. Um, actually, at the same time, there's also I mean, there's times in Wicked where I wanted to do something and couldn't. Like, mm-hmm. uh, no, no, I don't want to tap this. You know, as you say, I didn't, I didn't want to tap that emotion, so I'm going to step away from it to a slightly different road um because mm-hmm. you know you have to look after yourself i guess right yeah absolutely absolutely yeah i mean like when it comes to anything creative whether it's acting or writing or, or art or what, whatever like uh you could go deep mm-hmm. <laughs> you can go deep and, and, and you gotta and you gotta kind of you gotta kind of remember to to pull yourself out of it to, to let things sit let that draft sit for a little while or or what have you you know what i mean um i mean it's emotional stuff like it's it's yeah, it's emotional stuff so um but yeah i mean i think i mean we hit a lot of man we hit a lot of good stuff in this conversation um i mean i i, I definitely learned a lot about structure i think i mean i, I i'm telling you i i drew a wealth i mean just reading uh weekend divine i drew a wealth of of um if i mean, I mean like i and after i read weekend divine i actually saw like some of the things that I, I didn't notice and die at first, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I realized some like, or just I, I maybe structure stuff or, or, or whatnot. Um, and I don't know, like it was kind of like an, an epiphany kind of a thing for, for writing. And I'm like, okay, so I need to like, it was what you, what you said earlier when you mentioned, um, uh, you know, a writer saying, okay, well, do I have my, they asked about the act three structure or three act structure and they go, Oh, uh, well, here's my act one here, you know, what, or whatnot. Um, I feel like the, a lot of things when we try to when we search for structure, we find out that we have some semblance of that thing there, but we we have to be more deliberate about uh, about addressing it. Like, yeah, yeah, my character is dealing with this thing, but what specifically? Like, how mm-hmm. are they dealing with this thing? You can't just say, "Oh, my character's sad," and because his dog died, and you know, how is he responding to being sad? How, like, what is driving the emo- like? Hell, freaking uh, John Wick super simple movie it's, it's inter- simple but excellent like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like like expertly simple <laughs> because it's just like this dog dies <laughs> but the dog was the last thing given to him by his mm. ex or his late wife uh and it drives everything else that happens in the story and that's just excellent i mean mm. like that like i think deliberately some even at that base simple level this thing happens to elicit these actions like if you're, i think if you're deliberate about it like your story just comes out so much more clean so mm-hmm. um so do you have any 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 final any final thoughts or words you want to you want to give to people about uh, uh not, not not just structure but i mean we talked about a lot of things structure theme characters yeah. uh story in general i think like I mean, what you're saying is I mean, i'm glad that the work's been useful as I, I said early on it's like so much about right. wiki is me just doing it as in okay this is everything i've learned about lots of different things please go and use it well it's pretty much <laughs> the last thing that laura says to you is in Come on, uh, you know, whatever you're going to, please go forth, do with it what you will, be better than I am. 
right. Uh, so like, I hope people like will take a critical eye to Wiktiv and take take its tool set and have fun. I mean, um, let's say like what you're saying about clarity is interesting, isn't that kind of you know John Wick is a very clear. We all understand that, <laughs> and, like, <laughs> but and the concepts of clarity and depth and what you choose to signal is so much about what writing is. As in, I tell you what, it's like after my dad died, my I, okay, this may not, no one may believe this listening to this podcast. <laughs> I've become significantly less pretentious, um, <laughs> uh, but I've started. My dad was a builder; most of my uncles were builders, uh, and I started to think about um, writing as uh, plumbing. Like not not there's obviously high level art stuff to what we do as well, but at the same time there's a core fundamental of writing which is just connecting tubes together, and the tubes carry plot. And if you get the tubes wrong, you get shit all over the floor. <laughs> so you know the basic that you know I basically take narrative fluids and carry them through a series of tubes which I've arranged. Right. And so much about clarity and storytelling is just okay. Can I you know are the tubes going where taking the what I want to carry where they're going? I guess. Uh, that's a, right. I, I can't believe I've gone to that metaphor to end this. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> no, no, no. I mean, honestly, no. That's a that's a good metaphor. I mean, honestly, like not like I, I know you're, you're saying. I, I don't know if this thing works or how, how this would come across, but like everything that has been said so far has been like good information. You know what I mean? So um, uh, again, like from well, everything. I don't have to. I don't have to reiterate it. People, people heard it. <laughs> uh, they're they're listening. They they hear it. But but no. Um, I mean, honestly, yeah, like. If your hope was that people got something from Wick Divine, uh, uh, Die, even Darth Vader, <laughs> I, I, I think I, I think they 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 definitely did. Uh, um, Darth Vader was, I mean, he's supposed to be menacing, but he was very menacing, by the way. <laughs> like this guy is like, especially when you're dealing with Afra. When you're dealing with Afra and Darth Vader together, you're kind of you're kind of like oh, like like at one point you you kind of get a warm and fuzzy as a reader, like like er- erroneously so at least I did. I'm like oh, like they're they're out, they're friends. Like no, <laughs> like Darth Vader's not really anybody's friend. <laughs> yes. He's scary. That's that was, that was so much of me. I find like like the Punisher. Like it, you should mm-hmm. be scared to be. People should be scared to be in the same room as him. That that was always right. my kind of thing about Darth Vader because. Like I said to Paul, like not in this interview, but the first film I saw was Empire. I'm, I'm that age, so my yeah. first image of evil on the screen was Darth Vader. Right. So right. like, and especially with the comics, I was doing kind of the prequel to the my own entry into geek culture. So mm-hmm. that's like, there's a lot there. Right. They were a lot of fun to do. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But um. But yeah. No. I think I think we hit on a lot of great things. Um. If you can let people know where they can find you online, if they should follow your blog, if you know whether they can play D anD D with you or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the best way to find me is just enter my name into Google. I've got like Twitter. My website's down at the moment, but I, which has been down for weeks because I haven't found enough time to do it because it involves work. Uh, probably the best way to generally, if you like this sort of chat, uh, I've got a Substack newsletter. So Kieran Gillen at Substack.com. Yeah. And it comes out like basically anytime I have a comic out, and that's uh, me talking about various things quite often a lot of crap stuff in there at the very least quite li- in, you know links to stuff so if you like to hear me yabber and badly formed metaphors uh <laughs> you know that's the place to find me no got you got you um and and of course uh you can always find me and the beyond the fourth wall podcast uh at fourthwall.net that's i-v-w-a-l-l dot net <laughs> uh and you can find uh or if you look up beyond the fourth wall it's on like 
every like iHeart, Spotify, anything. So uh, Google, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you, you can you can find the podcast everywhere as long as you as you as you type those three words in beyond the fourth wall. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, that's all the time we've got for right now. Uh, thanks again, Karen, for coming on talking about this. This, this has been an excellent conversation. Uh, have a good one. Thanks very much for having me. It's been delightful. Oh, 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 oh,